0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we're going to be examining Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. And I'm Dwayne Recur, your host. And today, once again, I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's going to be our resident expert on amos so he's joining us here for our second week of four weeks of study in amos so mike thank you for being with us again today thanks man we are looking at amos chapter 4 verses 1 through 13 and the title of the lesson is turn to god the summary statement for this lesson is that god seeks his people holding them accountable for how they respond to him we have four breaks in the passage. In our outline, number one is indulge, number two is worship, number three is refuse, and number four is prepare. Indulge is verses one through three of chapter four. In these verses, Amos called out the women of Samaria, pointing to their personal indulgence at the expense of others. He declared that God would exact punishment on these women. The main application point for us is that believers are to be champions of the poor and oppressed, not oppressors of them. The second section, worship, looks at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 4. In these verses, Amos mocked the worship of the Israelites at the sites they considered to be the places for worship. In doing so, Amos was declaring that God detested their insincere sacrifices and false worship. A main application point for us is that believers are to worship God with humility and repentance. The second point, refuse, looks at verses 6 through 11. In these verses, Amos recounted numerous different ways God sought to get his people's attention so they would return to him. Instead, the Israelites continued to refuse to turn to God. Main point for us is that believers should look to God in repentance when facing his discipline. The last part of our outline, verses 12 through 13, which we've entitled Prepare, Amos challenged the Israelites to prepare to meet God to give an accounting. The prophet reminded the people of God's power and sovereignty to emphasize the seriousness of this meeting. Application point for us. Is that all believers should live knowing that God holds them accountable. So, Mike, at the very beginning of this book, of this chapter, uh, ch- verse one, we hear we find this this statement about the cows of Bashan. How about we explain that to our group members today?
1: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> Bashan was a, a, a very fertile area with it, it, was, it, it and really rich soil and like 40 inches of rain a year I've seen <clears throat> so it was it was an area that that provided really lush pasture land so the cattle's the, ca- the cattle the, the cattle uh, that grazed there at Bation were were well fed all right <clears throat> and and so they tended those cows tended to be um, fat i mean i mean another the way you know that's it's just the way they looked they were fat cows because the pasture land was very lush. Uh, and this is even referred to in other places in Scripture, a couple of other places. Ezekiel thirty-nine eighteen is one. Talked about. talks about the fattened animals of Bashan. Uh, so Amos, being a shepherd or a sheep breeder, uh, would have known about this, this very rich pasture land in Bashan. So when he calls the women of Samaria, the wealthy women of Samaria, when he calls them cows um yeah what did that mean it meant something different than what it might mean today if you called a, someone a cow or if you called a a woman a cow today it it would be an insult but in a different way more than likely today um because when Amos uses that term that you know cow he, he's not talking about how these women looked. He, he's not talking about physical appearance. He's not talking about their physical traits. He's not talking about their weight. That's that's not what he's talking about. It's not that he's calling them fat as an insult. By the way, in in many cultures in the world, even even today, many cultures where where the majority of people have very little to eat, being overweight is a sign of affluence and even desirable in many cultures. So so we shouldn't understand. Amos's uh, term terminology, in the sense of well, he's insulting them because of their weight. That's not it at all. The, the expression, as he uses it here, relates to living a life of luxury. You know, they 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 were pampered. They had everything they desired. All their needs were met. We might say these were the divas of Samaria. Is how we might say it, or if we if we were to put a heading on this passage, we might call it the real housewives of Samaria. All right, <laughs> um, so what what he's what he's talking about here has has uh, more to do with how they became the cows of Bashan. Uh and they became the cows of Bashan by exploiting and mistreating the poor to get everything. They wanted um, to have all not just have their needs met, but to have everything they desired.
0: We didn't mention this last week in our podcast time, but session one talks about this, and we find it here again in session two. And that is the treatment of the poor or really the mistreatment of the poor. Yeah. Um, how is that an indicator of a bigger problem?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think it's uh, <clears throat> I think it was Wayne uh, uh, I think it was Warren Wearsby who said, the way we behave toward people indicates what we really believe about God. Uh, And others have said similar things. Uh, And and there's a lot of truth in that. Um, When you, you know, going back, going back, you referred to session one. Back in chapter two, uh, Amos listed some of those sins, um, that they would sell a righteous person for for silver, a needy person for a pair of sandals. And, And it goes on and on. And and the the thing is, um, you know, they they were mistreating people, abusing people um, in in various ways. And the thing is, they knew better. The Israelites should have known better um, because the law taught them better than that. God's word taught them how to treat people. Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 15, God commanded the Israelites to help the poor among them when they entered the promised land. That was a part of possessing the land, that they were to help the poor. Deuteronomy 24, 14, don't oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he's one of your Israelite brothers or, or uh, one of the resident aliens in a town in your land. In other words, when when, when the people entered the promised land, God God made it clear. His expectation is that you, you treat the poor justly, you do everything you can to help those who are in need. Uh, so they, 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 they should have known better, of course, but what they're doing in Amos chapter 4 is they're doing the exact opposite of what God told them to do. Women, these women were oppressing the poor, they were crushing the needy. And the problem goes back to Amos chapter 2. In chapter 2, Amos identifies what the problem was, the root of the problem. He says in chapter 2, verse 4, they've rejected the instruction of the Lord. So they had God's word. They had the law. They had his instruction. They just rejected it. The the way they treated people is an indication uh, of an outward expression of, of a heart. That had rejected God in his word, okay. So, so how they're treating people is just an indication that they had rejected God and what God had said. And so, before we judge the eighth century Israelites, you know, we, we need to ask ourselves, What is the way we treat other people say about our spiritual condition? What is the way we treat people say about our relationship with God?
0: In verses four and five, we see them trying to cover that sin. Uh, by being religious, mm-hmm. um, offering sacrifices that are beyond in, uh, the call, all kinds of things. Are there ways we try to do that today? We try to cover our sins in some of the same ways that they did here during the time of Amos.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that they're going beyond what the law requires. Um, they certainly were doing that. Um, what Am- and what Amos called um, their actions, what he called what they were doing, is is rebellion like come come to bethel and rebel he says in amos 4 4 and the word rebel is might be transgress in some translations it means transgress so amos is telling them what you call worship god calls sin because god's not in it it's just godless worship you're just going through the motions so for them the worship was just more about drawing attention to themselves so they can boast about how pious they were you know in front of others Same thing you see in the Gospels with the Pharisees, and Jesus confronted the Pharisees and said, woe to you, you know, hypocrite scribes and Pharisees hypocrites. You pay a tenth of your, you know, mint and dill and cumin, and yet you've neglected the more important matters of the law, like justice and mercy. Well, those are exactly the concerns of Amos, justice and mercy. Um, You clean the outside of the cup, and inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence, which is exactly what going on in Amos's day greed and self-indulgence. Um, <clears throat> there, there's a question asked in, in the in the study guide and the DDGs how, how can the self-indulgent practices of people like those mentioned here in verses one through three also affect the way they worship in verses four and five So what's the connection between how they're treating people and their worship practices? or how can a, and I think the question also includes, how can a person's worship practices be a cover-up for their sins, which, mm-hmm. which suggests that that, that, that that can be true, that our worship practices are, can be a cover-up for sinful hearts. And, and you see that in, in people using religion to, to justify greed, like, like the Pharisees, you know, I'll mention them again, who, uh, who used God as an excuse not to help their families, you know, this practice of Corban, uh, Corbin, Corban uh, became a way to circumvent their responsibility to take care of their parents, and Jesus confronted them for that. So, you know, you say so you're using God, you're using your, you know, supposed devotion to God as an excuse not to take care of people, you know, and, and it's impossible to worship God at the same time, treat people wrongly. That's, it's, it's impossible. So Amos calls them out for that. And, and then you've got people who twist the Bible to justify their sinful actions. You know, does the Bible really say that such and such behavior is wrong? Does it really say it's wrong? And and, and, you, say, and you could fill in the blank, whatever that such and such behavior is. Does the Bible really teach that's wrong? Can't be wrong. Um, so, you know,
0: what's, what just dawned on me when you said that is that's the same argument that Satan used in the Eve. Yeah. Exactly. God really wouldn't have said that now, would he?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how do we try to, you know, how do we cover up our sinful hearts? Well, the, you know, people try to cover up their sinful hearts with, with religiosity, with religious practices, or even they, they cover it up by changing what the scripture says and, ch- and trying to change the meaning of, of the scripture. That's You know, that's some of the ways we try to cover up our sins. Verse
0: 12 This is a scary verse to me, verse 12 is. Mm -hmm. Amos tells the people of Israel to prepare to meet your God. They had met God in Exodus, in that that journey, and in Numbers. We know of at least two times there, Exodus and Numbers, where they had had a meeting with God face to face. But this seems to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, How should this impact, this? whatever's going on, our view of meeting God, looking forward to it or not looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. In um, in the verses just previous prior to verse 12 there, God is, there's a list of these things that God had done uh, to bring the people to repentance. He said, I gave you nothing to eat, yet you did not return to me. I withheld the rain, yet you did not return to me and on and on. I struck you with blight and mildew and locusts, you did, but you did not return to me. I sent plagues, but you didn't return to me. Um, so, all these things, God God did, you know, this one thing after another to, to produce repentance, to bring his people back to him. He, he, he desired them to turn back to him, and, and they refused. So, you come to verse 12, with, and, and it starts with that, okay, therefore, Therefore their, their unwillingness to come to God in repentance is going to result in his coming to them in judgment. So this you've got this language of you know prepare, prepare to meet God. and that is reminiscent of uh, Exodus 19. you know God's coming down to meet Moses at Sinai, you've got some of the same language there when God is, is talking to Moses, and he said, I'm going to come to you in this dense cloud, and you've got to go to the people and consecrate them, and they've got to wash their clothes and be prepared. And you find the word prepared there in that account at least a couple of times. They, they were to prepare for this meeting with God, but but the circumstance here in Amos is very different because here it's not about covenant making. It's about covenant breaking. That's, that's what's going on here, so he's not coming as their deliverer, he's coming as their judge. So that's, that's the, the difference. I, I, I like, and again, you know, I'll mention a question that's asked in, this, in the Personal Study Guide and the DDG is, is this question, how should the promise of standing before God impact how one lives? Uh, because that's, you know, that's what's happening here. He says, you're going to stand before God. You're going to give an account of, of yourself, and and so knowing knowing that is going to happen, um, that God's going to hold us accountable, that should impact how we live, because uh, you know, I, and I could quote numerous you know verses that that talk about how one day we're we're going to stand before God, we're going to give an account of, of our lives to Him. Um, so that that ought to impact how we live
0: our lives every day. You mentioned verses six through 11, the, the five things that are listed. Uh, you didn't have anything to eat, no rain, yeah. blight, mildew, and locusts, plagues, and then overthrow uh, cities. The group plans in both the leader guide uh, in Quick Source and in the daily discipleship guide, leader helps point to this passage. These questions obviously points to it for, in a Quick Source. But in Uh, the leader guide and the daily salvation guide, the suggestion is for us to read the passage and then on a board, have a large sheet of paper and and lead the group to list those five calamities. Obviously they're marked by that phrase, yet you did not return. That's how you know it's a new calamity that he's talking about. That's why there's five noted, even though it looks like there's more than five. uh, The way that the phrases are included by Amos marked that, would be marked off by the, yet you did not return. So that's, that's, that explains the five. Another approach that we may want to take is as we're reading verses six through 11, we just record those on the chalkboard, piece of paper, marker board, whatever we have. We just start recording those while we're reading it. And then we lead our groups to compare the things that happened then to ways God may get people's attention today. We may add to that list. We may point to other things in scripture that God used to get people's attention. Um, you could point to a variety of things uh, other than these things that are listed here. And we may, we may want to help folks understand in our group when we do that by doing that list, taking that approach, is that God's still trying to get our attention today, mm-hmm. continuing to do so, just like he was doing during Amos' day. There's a call for us to turn and we too can be guilty of refusing, and so we have to be very, very wise and understanding with that idea that prepare to meet your God is not just something for the covenant people of Israel, but it's also something for us as believers in this world. Uh, Mike, are there other key thoughts or ideas you would share from Amos chapter four?
1: There's there's a lot to talk about in this chapter. <laughs> um, I think the questions, some of the questions addressed in this passage, um, and I think we've already, I think we've touched on the main ones, but I, I think it's the question of what really pleases God, you know, according to his word, what is it that pleases God, and, and, and that's, that is a primary topic of the prophets, you know, Amos and, and other, the other prophets as well, what is it, what is it that God requires of us, and are are our religious spiritual priorities God's priorities? Are our priorities as a church God's priorities? And what adjustments do we need to make to align our priorities more with God's priorities? So, yeah, I I think those are some of the the themes that that you see throughout Amos and, and the other prophets, and it should give us a whole lot of Um, a whole lot to talk about this week. Yeah.
0: Before we go, let me remind our listeners about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. The file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. Go explorethebible.com forward slash Leader Extras. No spaces, no underlines. Just go explorethebible.com forward slash Leader Extras. Thank you for listening to us today. Tune in next week. We'll be looking at session three. Mike will be joining us again. We'll be looking at Amos chapter five, verses four through 15, and the idea that God expects his people to seek him and demonstrate his character.